This podcast sponsored by Prime Super, taking the complexity out of super administration so that you can get on with your business. Go to primesuper.com.au to see what we can do for you. Joining me is AXA CEO, Pat Sparrow. Pat, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So we got some reports and some numbers recently uh, yesterday that shows that there is now a wait list of over 129,000 people uh, for home care packages, up over 1,000 since the last report. With renewed scrutiny in the aged care space and there's been promises to act, how are we at this point? Well, I think one of the issues we have is, and I mean, government has been putting in additional additional packages, but um, the number of people who are waiting is still growing. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is increased scrutiny, and I think the Royal Commission was really highlighting they had a home care hearing um, for a week, and at the end of it, their summing up was that it's not satisfactory, and that is our summing up too, that there are 129,000 people waiting. That's gone up by over 1,000 a- a people since the last report. So um, while, um, you know, while we've got that many people waiting, we know that people aren't getting the support that they need. They go into hospital or they go into residential aged care before they need to. And that's something that we need to see addressed. Mm. Uh, and conversely, there is uh, an increase of 15,000 people since uh, 30, 31st of December 2018. And uh, there's a quarterly, a sort of quarterly increase of over 2,500 since September 2018. So it's going in the right direction. It's good that there are some people who are uh, are getting the level of packages, but the numbers still show that the majority of people either A, can't get a package at all, or B, are getting a package that's not at the level that they're assessed as and they're getting lower level services. Um, And often those lower level packages are being topped up through the Commonwealth Home Support Program, which actually creates an issue at the other end of the system when people are trying to, uh, to come in and get some basic supports. It makes it harder for people to come in at that level because they're topping up packages. Mm-hmm. Mm. And we're also seeing stats from the government that there is an increase of, I think, 15 providers uh, providing home care packages um, since the last count. Is that a good thing? Um, I think it's a good thing if the providers are, you know, good providers and and they go through a process that the department, you know, signs off on about whether they can be an approved provider or not. Mm. What we absolutely have to make sure, um, and it, it is a government role, that, that is how it's done, is that the organisations that are providing home care meet all of the same uh, requirements um, and, uh, you know, are fit and proper people to run services. And that's something that the uh, that the department determines and we need them to do that job really well. Mm-hmm. And now it's it's right and proper that we, we kind of keep on government about this. But looking at the numbers, over 100,000 people waiting, is it going to be a case that there's always going to be people waiting? And, you know, or, or how do we fix this? I think there will always be uh, there will always be some people uh, some people waiting, uh, but I think what's unacceptable is that it is the number and it's the length of time. So many people are waiting for a year or two years before they're getting a package. It's a it's a complex issue, and there are a range of things that we need to look at right through from is the assessment that's being done correct? People are often assessed at a time of crisis, and they're therefore assessed as needing you know a higher level of care than perhaps they need in an ongoing sense. So we have to look right back at is the assessment actually correct or is there some work that we need to do up front with people before their ongoing level of service is determined Um, we have to look at the whole issue of unspent funds and we know that there's a growing amount 
of dollars in the unspent funds pool. But you can't just look at that and say, well, we're going to use that to create other packages. We have to look at are people saving up uh, for a piece of equipment or respite? Are people scared to use their funds because they're waiting for a rainy day? And I mean, if that's the case, we need to say to people, if you're on a package, it's raining and you need to spend it. Um, There are questions about some of the things that are being you know, uh, asked for and authorised in terms of are they the right sorts of things that we would want people to be spending money on. We have to have that conversation. And ultimately, we have to look at how we just make sure that that we are using the resources that we have to support people in the best way possible. And and it may require some adjustment around um, unspent funds. Mm -hmm. But it's not as simple as saying there's this much money in unspent funds which we should take out to fund new packages. We do have to look at what are people spending the money on that are legitimate and that's important because people should be able to save up for something that might be more expensive. Um, But if there really is capacity in in the system that's never going to be used, then we have to look at how that's used. Mm So if there was one thing that AXA would think would be good that would help us go in the right direction that we could change now, what what would it be? I'm going to say two things. Um, so sorry about that. But no, the that's two good. things would be we do actually need more packages. I, I think the number that we have just shows that there are a lot of people who need the support who aren't, aren't getting it. Um, and I think the other thing for me is really about um, – is looking at the assessment, making sure that the assessment's right um, and the use of um, unspent funds. Mm-hmm. So, sorry, I've given you three rather no. than one. <laughs> but I think they're interlinked and it's important that those things are all looked at to get a true picture of what's happening and what the best you know, what the best actions to fix the home care crisis are going to be. And mm-hmm. I, I do want to say too, I think it's terrific that we now have this data because um, for pre-February 2017 when this change came into effect, there was still... Um, thousands and thousands of people on wait lists, but they were hidden. So we're having a different level of conversation now that we actually know how many people are waiting for care. Mm-hmm. And so linked with this is the wider issue of aged care funding. Uh, we had yeah. the indexation increase for home and residential aged care funding has been announced. Um, uh, 1.4% increase, I believe. What do you uh, think about that? Well, we think it's woeful. Um you know, it's it's a it's a combination of the average weekly earnings and the um, CPI, and, and we understand that. But um, we know that there's a couple of things happening. Um, and if I talk, I mean, each area, uh, whether it's home care packages, residential care, or CHSP, they're all being indexed at a, a lower rate than their costs are rising. Um, just to talk specifically about residential in this instance, um, we know, for example, that uh, they have to provide three uh, percent. Um, increase into wages, um, which clearly is more than the 1.4% indexation that government's now providing. Mm -hmm. We have a a population in our residential care facilities who have higher and more complex health needs um, than they've had in the past, and the funding hasn't kept pace with that. Um, And then on top of that, so the base funding's not right, and then on top of that, we're continuing to get inadequate indexation. So what's happening is we have more complex needs that we're needing to address. The funding's not keeping pace with that and the indexation is, you know, clearly inadequate. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that's happened is the government did put in, which was good, they put in a 9.5% increase into residential aged care um, at the beginning of the year, but that actually now comes to an end. So it's, if you like, a, a Band-Aid solution is now stopping and um, we're going to be back to, you know, back to square one in a sense with not having the funds that we really need mm-hmm. um, to deliver the quality of care and the types of service that we want to deliver and that the community expects. So would you say then at the very least indexation has to keep up with wage increases? 
uh, at the very least. But I think it's more fundamental than that. It's 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 fundamentally that we have to look at the base funding that's going into uh, all aged care uh, to see if it's actually allowing um, providers to deliver the care that the community expects and that the government's wanting us to deliver. And then on top of that, we have to have indexation. That means that we are keeping uh, that the funding keeps pace with the increasing costs. Mm-hmm. We touched on it. The Royal Commission is obviously on at the minute, so there should be an increased level of scrutiny. But I mean, two things. Do you think that the upheaval in the aged care ministry, we've now got our fourth minister uh, since 2013, and the, the position not being made a cabinet position, do you think these are contributing to the, you know, the problems we're facing? Um, I I would answer it a little bit differently. Firstly, on the Royal Commission, you know, we've welcomed the Royal Commission and, and the, the scrutiny. We uh, we want to have the light shine in. And I think what we're seeing with the Royal Commission discussions is more nuanced and more uh, complex discussions about what's facing aged care and what the challenges are facing providers. And sadly, along with that, there are some stories coming out that, you know, nobody, nobody wants to see and that nobody in the industry... Um, you know, we have zero tolerance for, you know, for abuse. But it is important that we have a whole of community conversation uh, about the challenges facing aged care. And inevitably, they they focus on um, staffing, which is linked to funding. You know, all of the things that are coming out come back to the really important funding piece. Um, I think that in terms of, you know, the minister, I think we've had some we've had some good ministers and I'm sure that Senator Colbeck um, will, will take it on and, and do the, the best that he can. The, the issue that we really have to get across is around uh, the way aged care is seen and we have to actually have the argument and for the central agency, so that's Prime Minister and Cabinet, Treasury, Finance, to really understand what's happening in aged care. Um, so... Uh, it's important that at all levels of government, uh, whichever level the minister is, uh, whether the minister's in cabinet or not, because we are represented in cabinet and we will continue to be represented in cabinet by um, Minister Hunt. Um, it's really important that uh, the ministers at each level and the departments um, and the central departments actually understand what's happening in aged care because that's how we're going to be able to get the shift. And importantly, the community has to value and want to look after older Australians and, and value aged care and put pressure on for more funding to be spent in this area. Well, Pat Sparrow, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for your time.